Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to take it and turn with me to just one passage, Romans chapter 16. We're going to look together in just a moment at verses 25 to 27. I apologize, I'm struggling with a cold a little bit this morning. So uh, I I had a friend who uh, was speaking one time in an African-American church, and uh, right he wasn't doing as well, apparently, at getting things across as he had hoped. And right in the middle, somebody stood up and said, help him, Jesus, help him. And uh, which isn't really what you want to hear, you know, when you're speaking. Um, So uh, I would encourage you to uh, pray that prayer for me, maybe to yourselves, as we go along, that uh, the Lord will give me the voice and uh, to really bring about the stuff that I think the Holy Spirit's given me for you this morning. Well, we want to conclude um, a brief series on what makes New Life Gehenna us. You know, what's our DNA? And I hope that you've picked up that we're about the gospel, keeping the gospel central. Now, certainly, um, a great deal of churches believe the gospel, and clearly a lot of churches preach the gospel, and we're by no means saying we're the only ones who get this, but what we are saying is that central to who we are is the pursuit of life transformation through the gospel. That's our DNA. That's central to us. In fact, it says it right there on the front of your worship folder, your celebration folder, as Pastor Steve pointed out to us a couple of weekends ago, that New Life Church is about leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus through the gospel. And so, if you're just looking for a church to fulfill your Uh, religious obligations, then you're probably not at the right place. If what you're wanting is a church that's high on rules and regulations and legalism, then this is probably not going to be the right fit for you, the right church for you. If what you want is just a preaching station, you know, a place that just teaches and preaches but doesn't really expect life change to happen in you, then you're probably going to be frustrated here. But if, on the other hand, what you're looking for is a church that takes seriously the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that believes that that message is good news, not only to see us get saved, but a message that we need to preach to ourselves over and over and over again. That embracing this gospel transforms us and causes us to be continually transforming, to be more and more like Jesus. That's the kind of church that we are trying to be. Romans chapter 16, that passage I had you look up, Verse 25 to 27, here's what it says. It says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel, there it is, 
and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that, there is a so that to the gospel, so that all nations might believe and obey. That's what brings about life transformation in our life. When we believe it and we put feet to that belief and obey it, that's what brings transformation. That's what brings change in us. And then the result of that is God gets the glory. Verse 27 said, To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so if you're going to plant both feet firmly at new life, we expect you to be more than just a spectator. We expect you to not be all about doing things your way and doing things the way you like and making you happy. See, New Life isn't a country club where joining it gives you privileges. In fact, it's quite the contrary to that. We believe that joining... Becoming a ministry partner here just means you need to get busy. And we think there's two very important pieces to that. Number one, you need to get a ministry. And number two, you need to get connected to authentic community. You need, as Pastor Brian said last weekend, you need to get off your rear end and serve. Now, he said a little bit more delicately than that, but that's pretty much the way I heard it. You need to serve. And, and so many of you, over 170 of you, have turned in those cards where you marked areas that you thought, um, boy, these are places where I can see myself or I think I'm understanding what's going on and, and, and I'd like to check these things out further. And, and so a lot of you grabbed hold of that. But see, everything that we do around here is for the purpose of bringing God glory. And it takes hundreds of people to do all this stuff. So just do something. Jump in there, see where the needs are, be a part of that, get in the game. And along the times of doing something, you'll begin to discover what your spiritual gift is or what your spiritual gifts are. And then you can refine, you can hone more into the kind of things that you ought to keep doing. See, I think a lot of times we get that all backwards. We think that what I'm supposed to do until I discover my spiritual gifts is to just sit around. The problem is most Christians never discover what their spiritual gifts. So most of us spend most of our time just sitting around, being spectators. But it works, it doesn't work that way. You don't, you don't discover your gifts in a vacuum. You discover them by serving by getting off the bench, by seeing where the needs are, by signing up, by jumping in to do things, and along the way of doing things, of serving, you'll discover more specifically the ways that you're gifted. You need to get a ministry. And then secondly, we also believe, number two, you need to be in a small group. Now, you don't need another meeting to go to. Amen to that, right? You don't need another obligation. In fact, I would say you don't need just a Bible study to go to where you learn something, but nobody there really knows 
about you. But what you do need, we believe, is a group of people who know and love and support and encourage and help you be more and more like Jesus Christ. And so, here's what my outline is for it today. If you haven't pulled out your message notes, you may want to do so. Just three questions. Number one, what do we mean by a small group? Number two, why are we so insistent about this? Why, why do we think being in a small group is so important? And then number three, then how then can I get connected to a group? So let's work our way through those three questions. Here's the first one. What do we mean by a small group? You know, that term, that phrase is everywhere in our culture. If you do a web search, you'll get all sorts of hits back on small groups. In fact, some that if you have a web filter won't even let you go to, you know, I mean, there's small groups here everywhere. So what do we mean when we say you need to be a part of a new life small group? Well, because we're about life transformation through the gospel, our groups are about helping people grow in their grasp of the gospel so that they're seeing spiritual transformation happening in their life. That's what a, that's what a new life group is all about. To be a place where we're grasping the gospel in deeper ways so that life transformation, remember, obedient or belief and obedience, life transformation is coming out of that. Now, you will go a long way in understanding authentic community when you see a small group not as much about a, as, as a weekly meeting or not so much about a place that you go to learn something or to do something as that you see it as a group of people who will be committed to one another, who will become spiritual friends to each other who will be brothers keepers with one another. And so a small group really is more than simply a weekly meeting. And yet that weekly meeting is kind of the rallying place that a small group has. It's kind of a rallying factor that it's built around. So let me kind of, for the sake of you who've never been to a New Life small group, let me kind of give you a picture of what a small group looks like. A weekly meeting usually lasts about an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, Mostly they're in homes, though we do have some that are here in the building. Mostly They're in the evenings, all different nights, though we do have some that meet during the daytime. And the the preferred way that we do groups, the way that we've been teaching around here for years, is that the agenda is built around five W's when you come together. The first W is the welcome part. During that part, there's an icebreaker because we're always 
getting to know each other better. Because our groups are open, hopefully there's new people that are coming in, and we're getting to know them. They're getting to know us. So there's just this regular aspect. Icebreakers are just a way of helping us continually get to know each other a little better. One of my favorite was one that we did um, a few months ago. It was uh, tell something quirky, a little quirky about you. And when we did that in our group, I realized what a messed up group of people (laughs) that we're a part of. Actually, my quirky list was longer than anybody else's. but, but, But what especially I thought was interesting during that quirky thing was to hear the number of people that have issues with toilet paper rolls. You know, how it had to come over and how it had to come under. And, and what surprised me, I had the chance not only to be in our group, but in other groups that week. What surprised me was the number of people who will actually change it if they're a guest in someone's home and it's coming the wrong way. It was very insightful. It was fun. We laughed. But, you know, from these icebreakers, you're just regularly learning each other at different levels, deeper levels. And then there's usually a couple announcements, you know, things just that's going on church-wide to make sure we're all on the same page. So that's the welcome. Second W is worship. And during the worship part, just like we did this morning, together as the group, we try to, all right, take the focus off of us and get it on to God. To give him the glory, to declare to him the praise that he deserves. So we may sing a song or two or do different things, but there's that time of worship. One of the things that we've set for our groups this year is that we're hoping to do communion more regularly in our small groups. That's the way the New Testament church did it. They did it in their homes. And so we're hoping to do that as a part of worship they'll be having. We'll still do it here periodically on weekends and celebration services, but more often we're going to do it in our, in our small groups, in their homes, as a part of worshiping together. The third W is the win section, W-I-N. And during that time, what we do is we have a, a, a listing of people that together we're trying to reach out to, people that don't know Jesus yet. Might be a coworker or a neighbor, a family member, a friend, somebody that that we've put on the list that together as a group, we've partnered together. Say, you know what? We are going to strive to love these people into being more and more open to Jesus. And we'll take time to pray for those people during that win time. Not only that, we'll do some planning for an event or some events in the future that we can not only come together as a group and do, but that we can invite these people that we're praying for to come to with us. You know, a lot of times when we think of evangelism, we just think of, you know, the sales pitch, you know, the presenting, here's how you get saved. And, and clearly there, there comes a point when a person has to understand the gospel message, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that, that because of our sins, we are separated from a holy God. That's why Jesus spilled his precious blood, as we just sang about a couple of songs ago, so that it could be the payment that would provide forgiveness to us. And if we'll receive that gift, 
If we will surrender ourselves to Jesus on the basis of his shared blood and bow our knee to him, he'll come into our lives and set us free. Certainly there comes a time when those aspects need to be presented, but especially as our culture becomes more and more secular, you know, there's steps ahead of that. And what groups are so wonderful about is just loving people, is just befriending people, is getting them to bring down their walls so that when the time comes to present those facts to them, they can hear them. And so during our win time, we will pray for these people and maybe do some planning. Then the fourth W is the word time. That's the Bible study element. All of our groups, central to them is God's word. Because that's what we depend upon to know how to, how, to, how to bring transformation in our lives. We want to hear, understand, and do God's word. A lot of our groups use the message series from the celebration service over the weekend as the basis of what they discuss. And, and I really like that because, you know, James 1, remember, it says that we're to not only be hearers of the word, but what? Doers. Of the word. And it's so easy to come and, and to set into a celebration service and hear the word taught, but then it just evaporates, it gets away from us. And what happens when we're in a group is we're not simply trying to redo the message, we're saying, hey, how do we help each other do this word that we've already heard? How do we help put it into practice? And, and see, the advantage in a group is unlike a room like this. We sit face to face. Unlike a room like this, we know each other. And we can speak into each other's lives and we can challenge each other and we can work together to live out God's word so that it brings transformation in our lives. It makes us more and more like Jesus. And so whether we're doing the message series or some other topical study or some book study or whatever... The goal is that we would spend time hearing from God's word and helping each other put it into practice. That's the word time. And then lastly is the works time. And that's when we break down into smaller subgroups. I think twos or threes are best. And we pray for each other. I think a lot of times uh, there's maybe deeper sharing during that time because it's easier to maybe really put something out there for one or two other people than there is maybe the whole room full of people. But during that time, we really pray for each other. And I would encourage you, if your small group doesn't follow those five W's, I'd encourage you to consider thinking about that. The group that we're a part of every week, that's the agenda. Welcome, worship, win, word, and works. It's different every week, but it's always those five things. And I think that's that's a great way for groups to do because groups that do that are, are more easily replicatable because they follow that simple little pattern. And I think it also helps groups stay balanced because every week when you're doing those things, then fellowship and worship and evangelism and discipleship and ministry are happening every week. See, because of those five W's. So that's what a small group is. That's what a meeting, a gathering of a small group looks like. Okay, question number two then. Well, 
why are we so bent on this? Why do we think groups are so darn important? You know, some of you are thinking, oh, nuts. I wish I hadn't come today. This is that Sunday where Jay gripes at us for not being in a small group. And, and I'm not griping at you. But I do want you to understand why, why this is in our DNA. Why this is so important from our perspective. It's because life change rarely happens in isolation. But more often than not, where life change really happens best is in community with other people who know you and will help you along, helping you see continual life change, helping you be more and more like Jesus. See, we used to think that all it took for life transformation was to get people to know the Bible. And we thought that, you know, if if people just knew what God wanted them to do, then they would do it. But what we discovered is that there's more to ongoing obedience than just knowledge. Isn't that true? Here, let's do a little survey. How many people in here do everything you know that you ought to do? You know? Okay, just a few quick fake hands out there. My hand's not up either. I go to the dentist every six months. Yeah, I'm not surprised when they tell me I should floss. I know I ought to floss every day, but do I do it, see? Well, it takes more than just knowledge. See, for life change to happen, certainly it begins with knowing what God wants us to do, but it also takes encouragement and speaking into each other's lives and challenging our actions at times. It takes supporting us and helping us hold on to trusting God when, when we're in difficult times. You know, it's like we, we want to trust God, but we're losing our grips. It, it takes other people who will come around us and help us keep our hands holding on to trust. And, and during times of blessings will keep us grounded so that we don't get all self-sufficient and everything. It takes that. It takes people praying for us and being there for us and believing in me sometimes more than I believe in myself. It takes helping me have faith when my faith is running low and holding me accountable to follow through on the things that I really genuinely desire to do. You see, being continually transformed by the gospel, becoming more and more like Jesus, takes more than just knowing the Bible. It takes holistic, authentic community. And here's when you really get it. When you begin to understand that the reason you need to be in a group is not as much 
for what you are going to get out of it. As much as it is understanding you need to be in a group for what you're going to give to other people by being there and being the body of Christ to them. So here's my advice. If you're not in a New Life small group, get in one. And then get busy in your group. Being a brother's keeper to each other. Get committed to being part of each other's lives. That means making small group a priority. Some of us, you know, we go to small group when everything else in our life works out perfect. Then we go. No, it's a commitment. I'm not saying you can't ever miss. I don't hear legalism. But it's a commitment. You, you prioritize. You prioritize coming to the group. You prioritize being in each other's lives and i think most likely when you do those things when you stop being a spectator and start being an active participant being a brother's keeper to other people you'll begin to see life transformation happening in you life change happening in you see we really do need each other And that's why we're so insistent about small groups. All right, question number three then. Okay, I got that. Well, then how do I get involved? How how do I get connected to a New Life small group? Well, there's several different ways. You can go to our website and uh, right on the front page, You can click on a link that says uh, uh, browse New Life Small Groups or find a New Life Small Group or that kind of thing. And it'll bring up a listing of all the groups and some filters over there where you can kind of narrow it down by maybe geography or by nights of the week or by life stage or different kinds of things. And it'll kind of refine. It's kind of like an e-harmony for small groups is what it is. (laughs) You can kind of find groups that look like what you're looking for. And then here's what's cool. If you'll click on that group, it will take you to an email instantly to the leader of that group. And you can correspond back and forth to them. Hopefully, that leader will email you back and answer your questions and tell you about their group and invite you to their group. And you can do that. We have people all the time who that's the way they get connected to a small group around here. Or... You can come talk to me. I mean, you can do it after a celebration service or sometime out here in the lobby, or you can call me on the phone. I love helping people connect to groups. And you can come up to me anytime and say, hey, help me find a group that's a good fit for me, and I would love to have a conversation with you and maybe offer you some suggestions. You can do that. Or uh, we do a thing around here called Getting Connected, and that's a group that meets on Wednesday nights right here in the building. Um, It's the only thing happening in Wednesday nights in the building that's not either Awana or our junior high ministry. Uh, If you have children, it's at the same time, so they can come to Awana and then go to the junior high ministry. But we meet back here in the prayer room. We're going to start it again up middle of September. But what they do, you come and you you get to see what a small group is like. It's kind of a free-flowing in and out group that people will be a part of for a number of weeks. And you'll come and you'll get to see what a group's like. But also during the process, I'll get to know you 
a little bit, and then I get to play matchmaker. Matchmaker, 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 me. That was uh, from Fiddler, in case those of you who had no idea what I was doing. I tell people this all the time. All of our groups are good, but they're different. You know why they're different? Because they have different people in them. The group that I'm a part of, we laugh a lot. Isn't that shocking? We have other groups that uh, they're serious all the time. They never laugh. And that's okay. It's not not that one way is right, one way is wrong. See, different people make up different groups. And so um, what I like to do and what you get to do from getting connected is I kind of get a feel for who, who you are and how you are and different things about you. Then I can say, hey, you know, I have an idea of a group or a couple of groups that I think might just be perfect for you. And I play matchmaker. And we do that at Getting Connected. You can do that. Or you can be a part of this brand new thing that we're doing tonight for the first time called Group Link. Now, here's what we did. I went to Staples and I bought one of these. And I spent a long time looking at it, thinking, how can we give people at New Life that aren't in a small group an easy button? I mean, how can we make it so easy to get in a group? And we came up with Group Link. It's going to be tonight from 5 to 7, right here in this room. And here's what you have to do. Come. That's it. Easy button. Come. Uh, you know, we, we've, we have child care available. We're going to feed you pizza in the middle so you don't leave famished. But what we will do in those two hours is we'll help you mix with other people. You'll get to know other people. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're brand new at New Life or if you've been at New Life forever. Maybe you've never been in a small group here at New Life. Maybe you've been in a small group, but through whatever circumstances, you just aren't in one now. doesn't matter. All you have to do is come. And we're going to help guide you to get to know other people so that you can pick. We're not going to pick for you. You can find some other people that you think, hey, I, I think I might like to be in a group with them. It's kind of like group speed dating is what we're doing. That's it. We're going to get to know each other. And then hopefully you'll find some people that you think, yeah, I, I think I'd like to try to be in a group with those people. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to form six-week trial groups. And we did that because we didn't want you to feel like you're trapped. You know, if you do six weeks and you decide you don't want to go any further than that, that's fine. You're not making a commitment beyond those six weeks. But we believe that what will happen is a lot of these groups will go from being six weeks groups to wanting to continue as groups. But you don't have to. But tonight, if you'll just come, all you got to do, we'll start in the lobby right outside those doors, is just follow along to what we say. And we believe we're going to form several new six-week groups that will come out of this. Easy button. See? Well, let me wrap this up. You know, there's a lot of one another verses 
in your New Testament. In fact, if you're one of those people who thinks, ah, you know, groups, those are for losers. You know, people who can't make it on their own. I'd encourage you to to do a study on those 40-some one another passages in your New Testament. Because I think what you would conclude is that you can't really do those things unless you're in community. You can't really obey those verses. And I'm pretty sure God wants us to obey all those verses that are in the Bible. But in particular, I wanted to draw your attention to some verses here about loving one another. And so just follow along with me. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. I always find that's interesting. Jesus doesn't say, as I've loved you, love me back. He says, as I've loved you, love each other. See? And by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly Love and honor one another above yourselves. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4, 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Hebrews twenty or Hebrews ten twenty four says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. In other words, not, it's not just us loving; it's ha- helping each other love back and forth, spurring each other on to do that. And then finally, First Peter one twenty two, Peter says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Listen to this. Love one another deeply from your heart. I mean, don't just love on a surface level. Love each other deeply. Now, here's what I would commend to you. Love isn't an emotion. I mean, that's kind of how we tend to think about it in our culture. You know, love is... That warm, gooey feeling we get inside, you know, towards someone. That's not love. Love is a verb, right? It's something you do. And what these verses are saying aren't, isn't, what, this isn't what they're saying. They're not saying have warm feelings towards other people. No, here's what they're saying. Love some other. Serve them, honor them, lay down your life for them, put yourself out for them, be a brother's keeper to them. And I think the place that we're, where we really get a chance to obey these one another verses is in authentic community, in a small group. It's where we love where we get to be a brother's keeper to one another. So I'd like you to listen to this closing song and then we'll do a little worship together and finish up. But I think the message of this song is that we really need to be about the business of loving each other.
of being brothers keepers to each other. So let's pray. Father God, we, we really want to be about your glory. And we know that that happens when we're really being continually transformed. When this gospel truth gets us busy about kingdom things. And so, Father, I, I pray that you will challenge us within the relationships we already have or within relationships that maybe we'll begin to form tonight. I don't know. But that we will really be people who are loving one another. Laying ourselves down for each other. Being brothers keepers for each other. So that the result being, we're continually being transformed to be more and more like you. And I pray that that will happen for your glory, we pray. Amen.